The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of the Heat Check, oh baby, the Cleveland Cavaliers are the hottest team in basketball. We're going to break down why. We also get into Spencer Dinwiddie's arrival on the LA Lakers and why that's caused Darvin Ham to lose his goddamn mind. We get into some ton of news around the NBA, including Klay Thompson finally seeing reality, a.k.a. his life on an expiring contract. The Hornets finally fire their GM. Derrick Rose leads the NBA player chess craze. And it's very sad. We have the death of true love, which I was really hoping would work out. NBA style. So much to get into, Anthony. Drop that motherfucking beat that should be Rihanna. So I am back from Vegas. Well, I'm not really back. I'm in Portland. I am staying in my mom's house in a room I have not slept in in about a decade. I have bought a massive uh, air purifier and a flat screen TV. And I've been working on the internet pretty much all day because this back room doesn't get Wi-Fi. So all of that after the glamour that was Super Bowl keeps, keeps you humble. One night you're at an Aria party, the next night you can't get Wi-Fi. So let's get into this. Let's start off with the Cavaliers. Uh, We really haven't talked much about the Cavs uh, as of late, which is wild because this is is the hottest team in basketball by a long shot. 17-2 in their last 19 games. They're climbing the standings like a billy goat. They went from 7th on January 1 to 2nd. In the span of five weeks, which is crazy. Also, for many of those weeks, they did not have two of their five starters, Evan Mobley and Darius Garland. So how are they doing this? Very obvious reasons and some reasons that are very difficult to see. One, Donovan Mitchell, star. Pure and simple. Major reason that they are tearing shit up out in the East. He's consistently putting up 30 a game, and his assist numbers are through the roof as well. Uh, Darius Garland has been out a good while with a broken jaw. He is now back, obviously. He's been back for a couple of weeks now. To the surprise of some, what's making Donovan Mitchell play his best basketball of his career is the playmaking. He has averaged eight assists per game with Garland out, and since Garland's been back, the assist number's still very high. And since he's also getting to the rim at a higher rate than he has in five years, deadly combination. Um, What's kind of odd is that he is doing that amidst 
like a lot of trade rumors that he's leaving the Cavs in the offseason. A lot of people think that the Lakers didn't make a move at the deadline because they think that they can get Donovan Mitchell. The Knicks have paved the way for a massive payday. Maybe it's the Heat. They were in the mix when he was choosing his destination. They've whipped on him once before. Never you mind. Donovan Mitchell just is focused on the goal at hand, which is winning basketball games for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Also, an obvious one, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Mobley has begun resurrecting, which has been a pretty fast and steep drop-off. He came off the IL recently. He has played pretty damn well, kind of like the Mobley that we were hoping that he would be. Still needs to bring his offensive game up, but he's shooting way more threes than he did before the injury. Big guys who don't consistently drill threes end up being Clint Capella, and I don't think that's what J.B. Bickerstaff in the front office envisioned for him. So he got the memo in the eight games since he got back. He is 7 for 13 from 3. He only shot 10 threes total in his first 21 games. So that's nuts. Jaron Allen, probably an all-star. He has been the chairman of the boards, or at least has a, a voting board member. His offense as well has improved. The question is, how much? He's averaging 16, 11, and 3 on 64% from the field. He has had 10 or more rebounds in 19 of the last 22 games, including 16 games in a row. That's nuts. That's ridiculous. He's a block machine as well, averaging 1.2 blocks per game. And the best stat, in my mind, is just 1.8 turnovers per game. Jared Allen is out here beasting. And if the Cavs are going to win, for sure, Donovan, Mobley, and Allen have to be a big part of that. But the one you probably don't think about, and probably actually you definitely don't think about. There are a few. First, Max Struess. Big reason for the success. People probably were surprised that they decided to give him the bag. They thought that, okay, the Cavs just massively overpaid for a guy in free agency that the Heat picked up for nothing. Yeah, the guy can hit threes. He can hit a lot of them. But did you also know that Max Struess was the number, number four on-ball defender in the NBA this year? Did you know that Max Struess might be the second coming of Drew Holiday? Wild, I know, but he's been very good on the ball. But Jared Allen and Evan Mobley offer such great help defenders that players aren't really looking to cut to the rim. And Struess is, is very rangy, very long, than many people think. Very good at keeping himself between him and, his, and the player in the basket. So he ends up with a lot of closely defended shots. That is a recipe for a great on-ball defender. Number two, player that nobody talks about. He, at one point was seen as boo-boo. Isaac Okoro has been incredible, averaging 26 minutes and 1.4 stocks per game while guarding opposing team's number one players. He held Damian Lillard, dang time, to 26.5% shooting, that's gross, and 17.6% from three. Woo! He shut down Jalen Brunson, Trey Young, James Harden, and Tyrese Halliburton in their recent wins. Windhorse thinks he should be an all-defensive player this year. You know, I don't disagree with that. Nice to see, finally, the number five overall pick live up to the expectations because before, baby, I was wondering whether he was going to make it. And the third reason, well, no one will know. What do you think it is? It's Sam Merrill. He is the NBA's mirror image of Brock Purdy. He's the last pick in the 2020 draft, just like Mr. Irrelevant is. But he is by far the best player that you've never heard of. And he's changing everything for the Cavs. 
Let me explain. So the ring, ringer did, I love their deep dives. So the ringer did a deep dive on, on Sam Merrill. Since he entered the lineup on December 18th, and by the way, I did a video on Sam Merrill in the Summer League, so I was on him. Since he entered the lineup on December 18th, team just hasn't really lost. They've been beating, they've been beaten just twice in the new year, including a league-high nine-game winning streak that was broken by a scrappy Sixers team on Monday night. They probably should not have, have lost that game. Why do you think Sam Merrill is so good? Well, he's attempting... you. Like 17.7 three-pointers per 100 possessions this season, which is by far the highest in NBA history. That is more than Steph Curry in 2020, 2021, which is 17.5. James Harden in 1819, 17.6. I mean, we were talking about MVPs, and Sarah Merrill's like, who? Me. I am the leader in the clubhouse. More than even Cam, I chuck all day Thomas or Kelly Oubre in his chucking Phoenix Suns, Washington Wizards prime, and he's making 43%. I know what you're thinking. Maybe he's Kyle Korver Jr. Maybe he's the second coming of Joe Harris. No. Sam Hauser's other brother. No. Three-point shooting specialists who bullfight on defense, as in Olay turnstiles. Guess again, that is not Sam Merrill, folks. He's actually a good defender. He is top 10 in the league in charges, averaging more per minute than anyone except for Draymond and Jalen Williams. By the way, we got to do something on Jalen Williams soon because, like, I'm not, like, Wemby, Chet, Jalen Williams. I don't know. Scoot, Scoot, Brandon Miller, Jalen Williams. He's a very solid on-ball defender. Uh, Sam Merrill. His length and his uh, surprising quickness is going to be trouble for teams who try to pick on him because the rest of the Cavs all have lockdown defense. Even Donovan Mitchell, who we were talking shit about when he was on the Utah Jazz. They currently rank third in league overall defense. All of this is being directed by J.B. Bickerstaff. We probably got to give a little love about Coach of the Year, too. He's vaulted up to the top of candidates for Coach of the Year, which is kind of funny considering how close he, he came to getting fired earlier this season. I thought maybe a year or two ago he was going to win Coach of the Year, but I digress. Brian Windhorst dropped this fascinating nugget on the Hoop Collective when he said, Guys, J.B. Bickerstaff almost got fired. Say what you want. They can debate about it, and you can debate the word almost, and they deny it or whatever, but J.B. Bickerstaff was on the hot seat. And if he had a bad few days at the wrong time, he probably would have been fired. To rebound from that situation and to have this team playing brilliant basketball, woo, just watch him. I don't know if he said woo. That was me. The woo was me. Amazing. People are sleeping on the Cavs, folks, but they're very well coached. They have a deep bench. They have enough star power to light up, even in Alaskan sky. Bad line. Before the loss to the Sixers, the Cavs have just trailed 188 total minutes of 912 in 2024. I think their point differential is crazy, too. I think they're beating teams by like 30 points per game. If I'm the Bucks or the Sixers, I want no part of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I want none. I don't want to see them. I don't want to ever have to play them again. And to, paragraph, and to paraphrase Gandalf the Gray, the Celtics should keep both eyes on Cleveland as often as they can. I am going to grab a Cavs insider very soon. I will break it down more fully. Uh, so look for that on the pod coming in the coming week. Moving on. Out in Los Angeles, Laker fans actually are kind of excited. Like, they feel a little hopeful, right? About the season. They signed Spencer Dinwiddie, who 
got traded to the, by the Nets to the Raptors, bought out. He then chooses the Lake Show over the Mavericks. And the reason that he chose the Lakers over the Ma- uh, Mavericks is just, like, hilarious. He said this. He said, let's say you're a kid and you're getting your ass whipped by the bully. Dallas would have been like, your mama. It's okay, baby. And the Lakers are like, your dad. Nah, you better go out and fight until you win. I'm not sure about that, honestly. The, the Lakers are not hard rocks. I do not know where he's getting that. I know he's from L.A. and he wants to play with LeBron James. But that line, that line is a lie. Very strange analogy. Also a world-class way of calling the Mavs and Luka soft. Spencer. Spencer is, um, he's a strange guy. I like Spencer. No shade to Spencer. Okay? Like, I know Spencer's a fan of the pod. Fan of the IG, okay? So I like Spencer. He made sure to put a dollar bonus in his Lakers contract for winning a chip. Who the fuck knows why? I don't know why. Very valuable player. Extremely high basketball IQ. He's like, kind of like Malcolm Brogdon in the fact that I don't know what's going on upstairs with either one of them. They rub some people the wrong way, but like, truthfully, they're very good players on the basketball court. He's got to be ecstatic to be out of the shit show in Brooklyn. That place is fucking terrible. I don't know how much better L.A. is. What's that old saying? Like, out of the frying pan and into the, into the kitchen? Into another larger, louder, more annoying fan base frying pan? Terrible. The Lakers are a month out of a player in a fan rebellion calling for Darvin Ham's head. My producer, Anthony Irwin, knows what's up. He knows. Because, let's face it. The Lakers have had a healthy LeBron and AD for most of the season and have still struggled to stay above 500 all season. They'll, they'll do, you know, one of their things where they look good against the Celtics and then they followed up by losing to Atlanta. They still don't really have a real three-point shoot, shooter. Spencer Dinwiddie's pretty good from the corner. Somehow they let Buddy Heald go to Philadelphia for a box of, like, stale saltines. And, and now we have Darvin Ham out in these streets, saying that he loves the idea. He's doing it again. He's doing it again. He's doing it again. He's trying to go out and roll these three-guard lineups out again. Adilo, Austin Reeves, and Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, Sir, that's what got you put on the hot seat to begin with, okay? Is this just not an inferior version of the lineup with Russell Westbrook that almost got you kicked out of the league? Didn't you try to do that with Didn't you try to do that with somebody else on this team too? Who was it? Gabe Vincent, wasn't it? Gabe Vincent, three guard lineups. Weren't you running LeBron at point two? Oh my god, no. I already know what this lineup looks like and it's it's 37. The plus minus is a 37, but it's negative always. Teams like Denver, Minnesota, OKC, they are chomping at the bit, thinking about, just salivating over that Laker lineup. Jokic thinks about that three-guard lineup before before he fucks. Like, that's what gets him ready to go. Jalen Williams might put up 40 and a quarter against this lineup. Darvin Ham, what's up with him? He just wants to be fired? He just wants to go. Let's just run out the least flexible five guys that we can because none of my three guards can reliably hit a three, and then we just watch Luka put up 53. Let's just make it so that Aaron Gordon beats us all by himself and Luka has, like, 22 assists. I don't know what's going on through 
anybody's head, Rob Polinka's head, Darvin Ham's head, that at that trade deadline, they made no moves, thinking that they're going to get who? Donovan Mitchell. And then what, we're going to do four guards now? What's happening? They're going to be lucky to beat out New Orleans, Dallas, Golden State, New Orleans. I said New Orleans twice. Seven or an eight seed. As for Spencer, I like him. I like him. I think he's a fascinating guy. But is that locker room like the bastion of positive culture? I know you got out of the Nets, and so you wanted to go somewhere of your choosing, but it is going to be fun to hear what comes out of there in the coming weeks. And plus, I want to hear how bad it was on, in Brooklyn. I really, really want to know. All right, let's move on. Let's get into some news from around the league. It has been a bit. I've got a backlog of things to discuss. Number one, Clay Thompson, back in the news again. It has been an absolute ro- roller coaster of a year for Clay Thompson. He started pouting that he didn't get his max extension. He wants, he's like, be so devoted to this team. Uh, then it devolved that he's basically asking politely to be a role player for the Warriors going forward. Why? Money. Money. He said, being one of the worst shooters of the league does that, but he says this, uh, told this to the ringer when they he, they asked him, hey, are you open to staying, even if it means that your ass is warm in the bench? And he says, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I'll be 35 next year. At 35, coming off the ACL and an Achilles tear, and I still have the ability to be a really good player. Maybe not the guy who scored 60 and three quarters and scored an NBA record of 37 points in a quarter, but I'm still a great threat out there. I've modeled my game after Reggie Miller and Ray Allen, and those guys were incredibly effective until their late 30s. So I plan on kind of following that mold. Huh. Wow. That is a surprising quote. I do like this version of Clay Thompson more, I have to say. Clay Thompson, who believes he's a starter and worth a max contract and is willing to go to another team that's desperate to sign him or just to pout if he doesn't get it and make his paper cranes up at the press conference booth. Don't like that, Clay. This Clay is pretty good. On to Miami, where the hospital ward just keeps expanding. Uh, Not only is Josh Richardson out several weeks, new heat guard Terry Rozier had a scary fall, scary Terry fall, and that had a lot of people believing it was a season-ending MCL tear, possibly, after landing awkwardly in the game against his former team, Boston, on Sunday. Medical reports are in, and it is a sprained right knee that will keep him out. It's week-to-week instead of rest of the season, which is great, huge for a team that just found out that Jimmy Butler's not going to see the court until after All-Star Weekend due to personal issues. So the Heat, interestingly enough, just losing, guys. And still, what do they do? Beat the shit out of the Bucks last night. Yes, they did. I am happy for Rozier. Dude is a bucket. He deserves to be on a team that's, like, winning, right? He deserves to be on a team that has the culture like Miami. He doesn't deserve to lose his biggest chance to play meaningful games right when he gets there. He's done his time known uh, as Charlotte as the Gulag. And I am happy that he'll see the court again for the Heat. Fingers crossed, Scary Terry comes back very soon. Uh, Speaking of Charlotte, Mitch Kupchak's reign uh, as the GM of the Charlotte Hornets has come to a rather screeching halt. It was announced he would be stepping down to, quote, become, this is such a great quote, to become an uh, organizational advisor, which... Remember Travis Schlank, folks. That's what happened to him when he got clipped. That is front office speak for fired and still on payroll. And maybe soon not on payroll. It's a slide out. Not surprising, except for the timing, because Kupchak, 
I think he did some okay stuff. He drafted Brandon Miller recently. He traded Rozier and P.J. Washington. He got off of Gordon Hayward's contract. So those were like the swan song moves. Maybe they told him his ass was grass, and he was like, let me just start shuffling shit around. You know? <laughs> the team's a dumpster fire. A lot of that falls on him. He's He sucks, right? Like, he does. He's been bad since his L.A. days. Like, I like him personally, but he's, he's not good. He may have been, like, responsible and not responsible for everything, right? Like Michael Jordan. But the buck stops with you, okay? If you're afraid to put your neck on the guillotine because you don't want to piss off MJ, eventually neck's going to be on the guillotine anyway. Uh, they rehired coach they had already fired, Steve Clifford. What? That happened. That like, he was incompetent three years ago. So we knew as soon as he came back, oh, baby, this is not good. This is not good at all. Looks like there are three candidates to replace him. Oh, boy. Nets assistant GM <laughs> Jeff Peterson. Former Sixers GM Elton Brand, who I think currently sells popcorn for the Sixers. I think that's his job. I think... No, I'm serious. I think he's in charge of the concessions. I don't think he's actually... Not GM still. I think they just moved him somewhere else, and he's technically GM. Anyway, uh, Mark Eversley. Oh, my God. The GM of the Bulls, who, have you been following what's happening with the Bulls? Like, definitely don't want to hire him. He almost got the job in 2018. He lost out to Kupchak. Peterson, probably the best one. Like, let's be honest. These guys are jokes. Peterson has a lot of bona fides. He's a solid choice, but the other two, like, hilarious. Just, like, honestly hilarious. Elton Brand bringing his version of quiet shenanigan moves to Charlotte. Awesome. I need it. You thought they drafted bad before? Like, just wait. Charlotte hiring Eversley? No one gets traded. No one. We just take on bad contracts, and then we just tell everyone that we're not moving on from them. Let's hire the leader of a similarly floundering organization that just sells more tickets because Michael Jordan. It's like weirdly like sort of two sides of the same coin, like both connected to Jordan, both fucking suck. That'll change things. What has Eversley done? Like I, I feel bad. I've met Eversley a few times. Seems like a nice enough guy. Doesn't seem like he's ready to pull some alpha shit. Let's be honest. It's Arturus Karnasovas that's doing this shit there. Like, uh, he's the guy selling the popcorn. They're literally getting the two GMs who aren't even GMs on the team. They're not even making decisions. This is incredible. This is honestly incredible. This guy, Eversley, is the one who decided, okay, we're going to choose Patrick Williams. Wow. Tyrese Halliburton and Tyrese Maxey were still on the board. Tremendous. Definitely do it. Yes. We will update you on, we, on what we learned the direction is going to be. We're going to call them the SS Hornets now. It, it's like they're going to capsize, let's be honest. They are the Titanic. It's sorry for you, LaMelo. Sorry for you, Brandon Miller. But we know one thing. A rebuild is underway. And like any highway surrounding a major city, that rebuild has been going on for 20 years with no end in sight and just lots of guys in orange vests standing on the side of the road eating burgers. Remember that proposed, by the way, let's move forward to speaking of construction. Remember that proposed deal that would move the Wizards and Caps right into my backyard, like literally seven miles away? Apparently that deal is in peril. 
as much as in trouble as the A's re relocation is to Vegas. These relocations, they're tricky. They really are. Democratic State Senator L. Louise Lucas said, fuck y'all. She is head of the Virginia Senate Finance and Appropriations Committee, and she announced on social that the deal to move them was not ready for prime time <laughs> and would not receive even a hearing in her committee. Fam, that's not good, which means it's DOA. Now it will, st will it stay dead? I don't know. I think she said something even worse too. Uh, a new offer with different grease palms will for sure be proffered, but I'm not sure about this one. This one is dead as the squirrels and the traps on my mom's roof. Uh, Republican Governor Yunkin is already politic inside in the same old bullshit the politics do. And I'd be surprised, though, if this happens at all now. They wanted, my guy wanted, Ted Leonsis, wanted the city of Alexandria to fund the whole fucking thing. And I was like, what? You guys aren't even good. If this was the Golden State Warriors, maybe. It was going to be 0.75% extra sales tax. Fuck that. As someone whose life would have been impacted greatly by the Wizards, I don't want my life to be impacted at all by the Wizards. <laughs> at all. Does anybody really? Like, if you know that your life and your day-to-day -day life is impacted by the Washington Wizards, move. Speaking of moving, we're moving on. The trade deadline is come and gone. Like a horny athlete in Vegas during Super Bowl week. There was a lot of them. There were some ones in the elevators being like, hey, girl, what's up? Hey. But the trade rumors, still alive and well. Trey Young is dead center now as the object of affection from a number of teams. He's been playing a lot better. He's actually playing defense. This is why. The rumor mill for the first time mentioned that the Hawks have been quietly asking themselves if building around DeJounte Murray might actually make more sense than building around Trey. A question that I've had in my mind for two years now. Add this to the leaks from Trey's camp that he would love to play with Victor Wembanyama in San Antonio, and the Lakers are another option. This could get very real very fast. I would love to see Trey Young with LeBron James, and that would just be high-key hilarious. Sometimes where there's smoke, there is fire, and I think this is one of those deals. Trey Young is leaving Atlanta, and it feels more likely than not. In other news, we've got a new rivalry in the NBA. Yeah, we do. Uh, it's a heated one. On one side, you have a, one of the biggest, toughest dudes in the league, right? Jalen. Jalen the Scowl Brown. Jalen, I'm so well-read. I just talk about books all day, Brown. On the other side, you have undrafted podcaster Duncan Robinson. What a battle for the ages. Yes, these two went at it like a pillow fight in a Celtics win over Miami on Sunday. And let's just say it. Like, why? Why is this a thing? Why do they not like each other? Here's what happened. Robinson was trying to play defense on Jalen Brown. He hooked his elbow, causing Jalen Brown to toss Duncan like a little rag doll. Like he was like the little person in the Wolf of Wall Street, just like against the wall. Tempers flared. Brown got a flagrant foul. Hasn't stopped talking about it ever since. Cameras picked up the trash talk. Jalen Brown says, hey, what the fuck's your problem? Duncan Robinson, don't do that shit. Get the fuck out of here. Brown, what are you going to do about it? And this is what my favorite part is. 
Duncan Robinson, literally, and I think we all speak for Duncan Robinson when we say, you're not like that at all. Like, what? The, you're not like that is I don't believe you, you know? What are you going to do about it means, no, what are you going to do about it? You're going to do fucking nothing about it. For his part, Robinson said at his post game, I thought it was just a dirty play, to be honest with you. You know, that's how people miss entire seasons. I just thought it was dangerous and unnecessary and excessive. I like that. Dangerous, unnecessary, and excessive. I'm going to use those three words for my own work life. Bam Adebayo agreed. Jalen Brown was asked about the play. He simply said, bet he won't do it again. This man, can we stop? Jalen Brown, can we stop this? I would not take that bet. Duncan Robinson, what does Duncan Robinson have to lose? He's a gym rat. He went undrafted. He had to fight for every seat that he's ever had at the table. And Jalen Brown went to Cal, okay? Like, he went to fucking Berkeley. <laughs> what? You're not going to do anything. Moving on. All right, quick question. Has there been... In the NBA, a more influential TV show in the past five years for NBA players than The Queen's Gambit, the drama about a female chess player hitting the pandemic. Chess is now seeing a bump, big bump. Everybody seems to be playing chess now. NBA, a bunch of players have caught the bug. And maybe an unlikely player who is now really fucking into chess Derrick Rose, the one with the, like, Derrick Rose, the tattoo on his neck, Derrick Rose, yes. Rose, one of numerous NBA players to catch the chess bug, including Klay Thompson, of, of course, he, got, he already had the chess board bug. He came out of the womb with the chess bug. Luka, international player, makes sense. Steven Adams, definitely makes sense. Marcus Smart, awesome, does not make sense. Santi Aldama, makes sense. Giannis, makes sense. Rose says basketball chess players in the league are a cult. Oh, okay. Does he know about the fundamental tenets of cults? I think it's like the cult leaders has to fuck your woman. Like, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, he said this to the Sporting News. It's a type of cult thing people whisper about. It's never where I say, I play chess. It's never where I say, I play chess. It's a thing where I say, hey, I play chess. Oh, shit. You play chess too? It's a whisper. It's never like you see people with boards. It's more of like a hidden type community. Yes, alert, alert, nerd alert. That's why people aren't saying it with their chest. He is so into chess. He plays every day on chess.com. He's got an app, chess.com, on his phone. He famously once played a game online while in the middle of a Drake concert. That is outrageous. How much does Derrick Rose love chess? Well, he just announced that he has a new event that he is starting, and it's called the annual Chestival, a chess tournament sponsored by and run by Derrick Rose during the NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. Omnia. Uh, excess. Chestival. It will bring together famous athletes, musicians, celebrities. You have to you have to love chess to give up the baddies at the club and the summer and the pool for uh chestival. It's like you have to use summer league as a springboard for like just going to town on chess. 
I'm going to have to check this out. I'm going to need to do some recon and to think. I think we have Queen's Gambit to thank for it. And moving on, our last story, we finally had, end with some very sad news. I'm, I'm like, kind of broken up about it, I'm not going to lie. The love affair between 49-year-old Larsa Pippen, ex-wife Scottie Pippen, and mother to Scottie Pippen Jr., and 33-year-old Marcus Jordan, the son of the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan. That relationship, the one that we all expected to last, based on how many factors were at play here, is over. It is it pour one out for our mutual innocence because today love has truly died. Samson and Delilah, Napoleon and Josephine, Shrek and Fiona. Like the all-time Will Smith and Jada. Like the all-time greats of romance, Pippin and Jordan take their place among the epic love affairs of all time. Jada and Tupac, and a relationship fueled by deeply rooted in revenge, good old-fashioned horniness, cougars, and a desire to utterly humiliate Scottie Pippen mutually in the most public way possible. That is dead now. They burn fast and bright. They told us about how often they fuck multiple times on the internet, and then they broke up in the most 2020s way possible by mutually unfollowing each other on social media sad. The relationship lasted 12 months only, which seemed actually like longer. It does. To not have really post-nut clarity of your Marcus Jordan, really. I'm not worried. I'm sure Marcus Jordan's going to be okay. I thought they were engaged. I thought this was going to go the whole way. Although Larissa Pepin is going to be 50 in a few months, I think there's still a lot of watermelon juicy uh, in that rind. I wish these two star-crossed lovers the best, baby. But forgive me if I tear out, tear up and pour out a little bit uh, what was and what could have been. Little Pippin' Jordan babies, really. That would have been fucking phenomenal. That's all the time that we have for this episode of The Heat Check. Come back tomorrow for all of the takes from around the league. Go to the feed for back episodes and bonus episodes, which drop unexpectedly. Like dick pics in Lars Pippin's DMs, which we know are happening right now. Do not forget to download, subscribe. Review. Tell your friends. Do it. Tell every damn one of them. Even that beautiful woman at the Portland International Airport who flat out gave you $4 because you forgot your wallet and the garage doesn't take Apple Pay and you're looking to find your suitcase that they left because you checked your bag late. Hey, beautiful woman, thank you. Also, when you get home, I need another favor. Go to Trista's Heat Check Podcast and listen up. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter, IG, and TikTok at, at this heat check. And at Trista Crick on TikTok. And at Trista Crick underscore. Shoot. Now, folks, go out and find your Larsa Pippen or Marcus Jordan and get your grind on. We'll see you next time.